All right, if you have your Bible, we are going to be Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're going to um, be this week in Acts 4. We're going to be next week in Acts 4 and part of Acts 5, and then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. But uh, Acts chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 23. And if you have, I, I have put a slide up here earlier, but if you've got social media, if you've got your phone and you want to check in, just to let people know that you're here and uh, continue to let them know the great things that um, the Lord is doing through this church. That would be fantastic as well. Uh, you can share the live feed or just hit check in. Um, so during, uh, during um, let me start over, sorry. During recess, there we go, that's what I'm trying to say. During recess, when the kids are out playing, and I told you last week I don't let them have any fun. All they can do is stand and stare at each other. Because if they do run around, they're having fun. And the other teachers don't like that. Um, but during recess, what I do is I actually use that to get some exercise. So I walk the perimeter. That's a, that's a good third grade word there, perimeter. I walk the perimeter of the, the playground to make sure I'm getting the steps on my watch. And what I'll also do from time to time is I'll put my earbuds in and I will listen to, I'll listen to podcasts or I'll listen to sermons or I'll, I'll listen to um, a, a number of different things just to kind of, you know, so I can keep my eyes on the kids while I'm walking, but also so I can, you know, redeem that time and use it to help me with my studies. Well, one day I happened to be listening to a sermon by a pastor named John Piper. John Piper used to be the pastor of a church in Minneapolis called Bethlehem Baptist Church. And he, he has since retired, but he still continues to travel and do different things. And one of the sermons that he was, uh, the, the sermon that I was listening to had to do with persecution. And I'm thinking, well, why in the world am I listening to a sermon about persecution? Turns out the reason I was listening to a sermon about persecution is because what we're going to study today in Acts chapter 4 deals with what it looks like to be in the face of persecution. And he shared these verses, so let me read them to you very quickly before we get to our main text. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. You don't have to turn there, but just, just listen. It says, You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, Dr. Piper went on to say that for those of us here in the United States, and we're going to talk about this, this is my, uh, my message as well, for those of us in the United States, we may not face persecution where they come in and arrest us and they, they torture us to get us to give up the name of Jesus Christ. But we do face persecution when we go to the doctor and we get a diagnosis that we weren't hoping to get, right? Or when something tragic happens in our lives, we, we can use the word persecution there because the result is the same. Are you going to continue to stay true to Jesus or is that, that event, that trial that you're facing, is it going to cause you to turn and walk away? That's exactly where we're at in Acts chapter 4. Um, if you remember from last week, before I read the text, if you remember from last week, um, the, Peter and John were in the temple. They had, there had just been a miracle where a man who had been lame for 40 years, uh, his legs were healed. Peter said to him, get up and walk. And the man started walking and leaping and praising God. And as a result of that, there was this giant crowd that, that gathered. And Peter used that opportunity to share the gospel. Well, the religious leaders, they weren't having any of that. They weren't having any of that because that was in. You know, 
that was directly opposed to their power. They say, whoa, if this continues to happen, these people are going to turn. They're going to start following these guys, and we're going to lose our way of life. We can't be having any of that. So they grabbed them, they arrested them, they threw them in jail. And the next morning, they brought them before the Sanhedrin, which is basically the Jewish Supreme Court. And they wanted to know, look, who gave you the right to do this? And Peter said, thanks for asking. And he laid it out. He said, look, this is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who did this. Jesus was the Messiah, the one you're waiting for. He came. You didn't like what he had to say, so you killed him. But God raised him back from the dead. And the Jewish leader said, well, listen, look, we can't really punish you because everybody sees that this guy's walking and leaping and praising God. But if you continue to do this, we're going to beat you and we're going to throw you in prison. And because it was the Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin, anything they said was binding, right? They could, they could really be beaten and thrown in prison. And Peter said, listen, whether it's right or wrong for us to listen to you or not, you got to decide that. We're going to keep preaching. And so the, the Sanhedrin, they, they threatened them some more, and then they sent them out. And that's where we're going to pick up here in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. We're going to see what happens after all of this took place. So let's read. I'm going to read down through verse 31. It says, after they were released... They went to their own people and reported everything the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak, with your, word, speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Let's go to prayer and we'll jump into it. Father God, I thank you again for today, Lord. I thank you for uh, the scripture. I thank you that uh, it is your revealed word and that if we want to get to know you, we need to spend time in the word because that is how we get to know more of who you are and how we become more like Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that our time together would lead to us being more sanctified, that we would be more like your son as a result of studying your word. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and open our hearts to what your word has to say. We ask this in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I entitled this message, Praying in the Face of Persecution. And there are three things that we're going to see here, uh, three basic parts of, of what we've got going on. And the first part is the apostles are released. So they were in prison, like I, like I said in my introduction. They were in prison. They had been threatened. They had been told, hey, look, if you keep speaking, we're going to beat you. We're going to throw you back in prison. Things are going to go really bad for you if you don't listen to what we said. And Peter said, well, you know, look, you've got to decide that. We're going to keep doing this. And as soon as they were released, they went and they gathered the people together. They gathered the church together. Now, it's very possible that the church was already gathered together and they were already praying. But Peter and John went immediately to the people 
And they started to tell them everything that had taken place. Everything that the, that the high priest and the Sanhedrin had told them. Um, and there's a couple of things that are interesting to note about this particular verse. And what's most interesting to note is what's not included in the verse. All right. The first thing, the first thing that's not included, Peter and John are not upset. They're not distraught and they're not downcast. OK, they just had their lives threatened. And the first thing that they do is they go and they gather all of their church people together. Right. If that was me, I'd like to think that I would do that. I don't know. I, I truly don't. I'm being just straight up honest. I, I, I don't know what that would look like. Right. Now, remember, Peter and John, these were these were Jesus's disciples and not less than not more than uh, two months earlier, maybe three months at this point. Jesus had been arrested. And what did the disciples do? They scattered. They took off, right? And when we see them toward the end of the gospel accounts, they're hiding. They're, they're in rooms with the doors locked because they are terrified that the people that arrested Jesus and put him on a cross are coming for them next. They're scared. Now, two, maybe three months later, those people came for them. They came for them and they said, listen, you remember what we did to Jesus? It's about to happen to you if you keep preaching about Jesus. And Peter and John said, bring it, right? They, they were not upset. Instead, they went and they gathered the people. The second thing that we see here is that Peter and John found the church in order to edify them and comfort them. They went in and they said, listen, this is what the high priest said to us, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. This is exactly what Jesus told us was going to happen. I read these verses last week, but I'm going to read them to you again. This is Jesus talking to his disciples just before he was arrested. Luke 21 says this, But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to bear witness. Therefore, make up your minds not to prepare your defense ahead of time. Jesus is telling them, when you go through these times, this is your opportunity to tell other people about me. When you have these difficult times, don't look at it as, oh my goodness, the world is ending. Look at it as if this is your opportunity to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me keep going. For I will give you such words and a wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will even be betrayed by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. They will kill some of you. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. Doesn't sound very good, does it? Right? Now here's the comforting part. But not a hair of your head will be lost. By your endurance, gain your lives. Jesus is telling them that even when you go through these things, don't worry. I'm there with you, and I will protect you. Right? And, and that, that may seem scary. Like, they're going to beat me. Guess what? All they can do is send you to heaven. If you are a believer and you go through this, the worst thing that can happen, you get to go to heaven. Right? Think about that. That's the worst thing that they have to, that, that have to offer you. All right? It's a... It, while this is a terrifying prospect, it is important to remember that Jesus is in all of this. And there is a sense of comfort in that. And then one final thing to note in this particular verse is that there is no discussion recorded about giving up. 
There is no discussion recorded where Peter and John said to the church or the church said to Peter and John, guys, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe we're doing the wrong thing here, right? There was no discussion of, of packing it up and going home. And regardless of what was going to happen, they were going to continue to follow the commands given by Jesus. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. It doesn't say go into all the world and preach the gospel as long as it's easy. Go into, the, go into all the world and preach the gospel as long as nobody's getting upset with you. It just says go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, like I said, Peter and John's reaction, Peter and John's reaction was very different than what they, what they would have done just three months earlier. But Peter and John's reaction to this persecution is very different than what we often see in our world today. Right? If you think about it, when somebody is persecuted, what's the first thing they do? They want to play the victim card, right? It's, oh, you're only doing this to me because fill in the blank, all right, because I belong to this particular group or because I belong to this particular group. And we play the victim card. I, I, I've been known to do it, all right, I'm not going to lie. I, I, sometimes people get upset with me at school and I'm like, well, it's because I'm a dude. That's the only reason you're mad at me right now is because I'm a dude. Now, I have been known to play the dude card to get out of doing stuff. Be like, be like anyway, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going there because this is on video, so, all right. Now, Peter and John didn't seek out this persecution, but they certainly didn't bristle under it either, right? When, when people were upset with them, when people were angry with them, they didn't seek it out. There are people, and we all know people, who seek out persecution. They're just jerks, right? They, they should start a group, jerks in the name of Jesus. There are some people who will use the name of religion to just be a crummy person, and then when people start to get upset with them, they're like, oh, you can't be upset with me. It's because of my religion. That's not how it works. Like, like it says in Luke 21, when we face those persecutions, those are opportunities for us to share the gospel. If you're being persecuted because you're a jerk, that's on you. Right? Jesus is not going to be, Jesus is probably sitting up in heaven, Lord, forgive me if this is not how it is, but Jesus is probably up in heaven going, Dude, you did it to yourself, right? Have you ever, you ever had that conversation with your kid where your kid's mad or your kid got smacked by his brother and then you investigate to find out why, your brother, why he got smacked and it turns out because he smacked his brother first? I'm always like, that's on you, man. That's on you. Right? If, you're, if you're being a jerk and you're getting persecuted for it, that's on you. If you're living for Jesus Christ and you're doing the things that he has called you to and there comes persecution... Christ is going to be there in the midst of that with you. Let's keep going here. The second thing that we see in this passage is the church prays together. And this is the, the, the bulk of the passage, Acts 24 through 31. We read it at the beginning, so I'm not going to read it again here. But this records the prayer that they prayed as a church. Now, I don't know. I, I can't say that it's everybody in the church was praying this or if this was Peter praying corporately with the group, but they were gathered together, and these are the things that they pray. There, there are a lot of things that we can see here in this, and, and this prayer should be a model for you and me. Right? There are some specific things, some specific points that the church makes. Um, we often use the Lord's Prayer as a model prayer, and it, which is excellent, but Acts chapter 4 also has a prayer that we should use in the midst of our dark days, to help us as we walk through this. So we're going to break those points down here. Um, the first part of the prayer that we see in verse 24, 
Oops, I turned too far back, sorry. All right, the first thing that we see in verse 24 is the fact that the church is praising God for his power and his massiveness. I can't think of another word to use, so I'm just going to say massiveness. Let me read it here. It says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. The first thing that they did in the midst of this is they began to praise God for who he was and for the power that he had over everything. There, there is a word there. Um, some, of your, some of your translations, if you have a different one than mine, it may use the word Lord. That, the Greek word that's used there is the word despota or despota. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And in essence, what that, what that word is, is that's the word that slaves would use to describe the master that they belong to. So what the, what the church was saying here is, God, we belong to you. Everything about who we are is yours. And they were, they were coming in complete submission to him. And they were recognizing that he was the one that had power over all of these things. They were recognizing his sovereignty over all of his creation and all of the things that were going to take place. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. And there are times where we're going to be overwhelmed by our circumstances. You ever been there? You ever been so overwhelmed by your circumstances that you can't, you can't figure out how you're going to get out of them? It just seems like this shoe drops and then you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and then that shoe drops and then finally there's like a third shoe and you go, I didn't even know I had three legs. What in the world's going on here? You got, it, it just seems like you're completely overwhelmed by what's going on. You may have gotten a diagnosis from the doctor that is just devastating to you. Or you may have gotten... Um, some financial news that is just crushing. And I, I, I can imagine that when the, the economy dropped a few years back and we had, went, began that recession, and all of those people lost their 401ks and their, their retirement pensions. I can imagine that that was one of those times where you looked and you went, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. It's in times like that where we need to look at God and we need to praise him for the immensity of who he is. When we fully understand and get a grasp, a glimpse of who God is, and we see how big he is, it's going to put our problems into perspective. And we're going to understand that God is the one who's going to be able to walk us through that. Um, let me read Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In the midst of those dark times, when we get a picture of who God is, it helps us to bring it back into perspective. The second part of this prayer, once they, once they were done praising God, the second thing is that they recognize the futility of man in opposing God's plan. Okay, um, This part of the prayer, whoever is praying, he quotes Psalm 2, Verses 1 and 2. And this was a, a psalm that David wrote, which turned out to be a prophecy regarding this particular situation. Um, 
It states that the enemies of God are going to come up against the plans and the people of God in order to keep them from sharing their faith. We see that a lot, don't we? We see that a lot in our world, that there are people who are trying to come against God's people to keep them from sharing their their faith. In fact, we've been talking on Sunday nights. We're going through some studies right now on doctrines on angels, demons, heaven, and hell. And one of the things that we've uh, we've learned is that in times, in times where light is going into darkness, that's where demonic activity seems to be taking place the most. That's why when you read the Gospels, that it seems like everybody and their brother was possessed by a demon. All right? Every time Jesus came in contact with somebody, they were either sick, they were lame, or they were possessed by a demon. And, and some of the stuff that I had been studying in regards to this said that the, reason for, that the reason for that is because the demons were trying to keep the light out of the darkness. They were trying to keep people from understanding the truth. And the enemies of God will always do what they can to keep the gospel or the truth of the gospel from being spread. As Christians, we're going to experience dark days. If you haven't experienced dark days, trust me, they're coming. All right, they're coming. I, I, when we were at another church, um, every time I would get up to preach, I would always say, listen, you're either about to go into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you just came out of a storm. But nobody gets out of the storms. Every, but Jesus is always right there with us. Our dark days at this point are not like those, as Jimmy prayed earlier, like those of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. But we're still going to face persecution. We're still going to face people who don't like us because of who we are. You can't turn on the television or social media without seeing the negativity and the hostility the world has for those of us who for those of us who are followers of Jesus, right? If you go on Facebook, and I, I, I talk about this often, and Tina always tells me to stay out of the comments, and it's, it's like crack, man. It's like crack, all right? I probably shouldn't say that, should I? Oh, she's shaking her. I mean, I'm getting the sign. I shouldn't have said it, all right? But reading the comments, man, it's, it's, it's like a train wreck. You can't help but look at it. But as soon as somebody mentions Jesus, there's about 75 comments all piling on about how Jesus is fake, what I don't understand is if Jesus is fake, why are people so angry about it? Right? Unicorns aren't real, but I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at unicorns. I don't. I, anyway, I digress. There is hostility in the world toward those of us who are believers. And the more committed and the more surrendered you are to Jesus, the more fierce the hostility is going to be toward you. If you aren't experiencing this, you may need to examine your commitment to Jesus. If you're not experiencing hostility from the world, it's very possible that you need to examine your commitment and your surrender to Jesus Christ. Because those of us that are fully committed and fully surrendered are enemies with the world. The third, all right, let me read this. John 15, 18 through 19 says, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. This part of the prayer continues with an understanding that even though the world may come against them, God was at work in the situation. And they, they, the prayer, the, whoever is praying, the church continues on by saying, listen, we understand that you are at work in what's going on here. Because Jesus was here on earth and everybody was gathered against him. We had Pontius Pilate, and, and you had um, 
Forgive me, I don't want to, I don't want to leave anybody out in case they're going to get mad at me later. All right, we had Pontius Pilate, and we had Herod, we had the Gentiles, and we had the Jews. Everybody was against Jesus Christ. And they were the ones who arrested him and turned him over to the Romans and hung him on a cross. And that seems devastating. It was devastating for those of them that were believers. But here's the thing. God's hand was in that situation. God had predestined everything that was going to take place to happen. God predestined that Herod would be there and that Pontius Pilate would be there and that the Gentiles would be upset, the Romans, that's who they're referring to, and that the Jewish leaders would be upset. He had planned all of that before the earth was formed, that this was going to happen. His hand was in it. God is sovereign over all of those things. It was all part of God's redemptive plan to redeem sinners back to him. The church understood that Jesus' death on the cross, as painful and devastating as it was for them to witness, was necessary for them to experience their salvation. And there are a lot of things going on in the world that may make it seem like God is losing control. You ever turn on the news or you see events that are taking place either here in the United States or around the world, particularly the Middle East area and parts of Asia, and you, and you see those things and you go, how in the world... Is God letting this happen, right? We see, we, I think of, you know, not too long ago, there was a, a devastating thing that took place in Florida at a high school. And people look at that and they go, how in the world does God allow something like this to happen? Or we see small children that get sick and we go, how in the world does God allow things like this to happen? God has not lost control. Everything that takes place, every single thing has been ordained by God. I told you at the beginning that there are times where we may not face the persecution that our brothers and sisters in Asia and, and the Middle East are facing. But when we walk through pain and we walk through persecution of that sort, if we get an illness or we, we experience a heartbreak, just like Jesus said in Luke 21, that's an opportunity for us to tell other people about Jesus. Because people are going to look at us. They're going to find out, yes, you got that diagnosis. And they're going to look at you and they're going to say, how are you going to handle this? You said you're a believer in Jesus. You said that you trust God with everything. And then all of a sudden you got smacked with a baseball bat. What are you going to do now? That's, it's in those moments that we're going to... Um, we're going to have the opportunity to talk about Jesus. There are a lot of things that are going on, but every time, every time we gather together, we are furthering the kingdom of God. God has not lost control. Every time we come together in this building, we are furthering the kingdom of God. When our friends at Fellowship Bible Church down the road gather together, guess what's happening? They are furthering the kingdom of God. Every time we open this Bible to study together, God's kingdom is being advanced. When we come together on Sunday nights and we pray together, God's kingdom is being advanced. The advance may be slow, but we are moving forward. God is sovereign over all events, even those that we don't understand. And it's important that we trust him even when we don't see the bigger picture. Let me read Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, uh, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
Now, the final part of this prayer, it, it breaks down into several parts. The final part of this prayer shows us the church's understanding of God's mission and their role in that mission. They prayed and asked God for boldness when speaking the word of God. Let me read that verse here. It says in verse uh, Acts 4, 29, it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. In the midst of all of these things that are going on, they understood that they had a role to play in God's mission. And you'll notice that they didn't pray for their persecutors to be destroyed. Sometimes I'll joke with Tina, if I'm mad at somebody, in the Psalms, if you read through the book of Psalms, there are, there are Psalms in there where it's like, Lord, blessed are those who dash the little one's heads against the rock. I'm like, yeah, I love that stuff, right? When I'm mad, that's what I'm looking for. All of you are like, what, this guy wants to smash babies? Right? Some of you are giving me the, like, huh, what? what's going on there? The look my dog does when she doesn't understand. Hmm? Right? There, there, are prayers, there are prayers in the book of Psalms. We call them the imprecatory prayers. All right? The imprecatory psalms or imprecatory prayers are where people are expressing their anger and their, their, their emotion, and they're asking God to bring pain and suffering on their enemies. They're in the Bible. You've got to read them. And they're, they're, I'm going to say they're awesome, but you know, that would make me look weird. All right, anymore, not, anyway, I'm moving on. Sometimes when I'm, uh, sometimes when I'm upset, and Tina, Tina will give me the, the sideways look, I will pray, and, and I'll just like, Lord, I'm really upset with this person. Give them hemorrhoids. Like, dear, dear Lord, dear Lord, this person has really upset me. Just give them a little explosive diarrhea. You know, I, I, and I will pray these things, and she'll go, what are you doing? Right? Because I'm allowing my emotions to, to take over. When you read Acts chapter 4, 23 through 31, what you will notice, Peter and John in the church, they do not pray for those things. They do not pray for any pain or suffering or destruction to come upon their persecutors. What do they ask for? They ask for boldness. They ask, they ask that they would be able to continue to speak boldly. They don't even ask for the persecution to be taken away. Right? They're praying and they're saying, Lord, in the midst of all of this, give us boldness to speak your word. Give us the ability to continue to go through this. They don't ask for it to be taken away. They pray for boldness and the courage to preach the gospel. They did ask God to consider the threats that are made against them. So they said, Lord, we are being persecuted. These are the things that are happening. And they asked him to consider them. And, and one commentator I read, one, one, one guy that I read in preparation for this, he said that it's very likely that the church did pray for the persecution to be taken away, but only the parts that were not going to bring glory to God. So they, they didn't ask to be, to be saved from the persecution. They didn't ask to have the persecution taken away. They only asked that the parts that would not bring glory to God be dealt with. Imagine that, all right? You know, sometimes when, and, and I'm going to refer to our persecution as our sicknesses, our illnesses, those things that we're going through. And I know that there are many people in this room who are walking through those things right now. I know that you are dealing with, with, with either personal illnesses, personal pain. You're dealing with it from a loved one. You've got family members that are dealing with it. I, I know that there are people in this room who, who are walking through this. And a lot of times when we pray, we say, Lord, take this away from me. Lord, take this, take this away. I, I, want this, I want all of this gone. I don't want to have to deal with this anymore. 
But that's not what we're supposed to pray for. And I realize it's difficult for me to say that. It's difficult for you to hear that. That's not what the scripture wants us to pray for. The scripture wants us to pray that we would be bold and have courage to keep our testimony as we go through these things. Peter and John, they didn't say, Lord, take this away. Help us to just let, if it's okay with you, God, we'd like to just kind of sit back and chill for a little bit while, while the, the, the religious leaders get over themselves and then we'll come back out. That's not what they prayed for. They prayed for courage to be bold. They also asked that, oh, they also asked that God not only consider the threats and boldness, they asked that the healing signs and wonders would continue. They asked for this as a means of sharing the power of God with others. In the midst of knowing that there were beatings and imprisonment waiting for them on the other side of the door, they said, Lord, continue to give us signs and wonders so that we can draw a crowd. Because when you draw a crowd, guess what we get to do? We get to share the gospel. I know that I'm going to get beaten for this. I know that this is going to happen. We should not seek out persecution. But we should continue that when we're in the midst of it, when we're experiencing that pain and those difficult things, we should continue to ask God to give us boldness and to let us see miracles take place so that we can continue to share the gospel with them. They were not asking this to bring glory to themselves. It was done through the name of Jesus Christ, and he's the one who gets the glory. The final part of this passage is the Lord provides an answer. They just poured out their hearts in, in, in this prayer. And God showed up. And when God shows up, as we've seen, as you see, as you read through the, the scripture, is God shows up and it's immediate and it's dramatic. And there are three, there are three things that take place in, in verse 31. Let me read it again. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. There are three miracles that took place. As soon as they were done praying, the place where they were gathered started to shake. And one of the, one of the things that I read, and I believe this, is God said, all right, you're asking me? You're asking me to show you my power? Let me show you my power. And by doing so, God was saying, I heard you. I'm with you. Everything's going to be okay. You keep trusting me, even when it's dark, even when it's difficult. I'm here, and I'm going to show you my power. The second thing that we see is that they were filled with the Spirit. Now, we know, for those of us that are believers, the moment that we're saved, the Spirit comes into us, He seals us, and He fills us. But there are times where we can tap into the Holy Spirit's power even more. That's when the Spirit fills us. When we are in submission to Him and we're listening to Him, we can, we can get a filling of that Holy Spirit's power. And that's exactly what happened here. The, the early church was able to tap into that again. And then the third thing that we see is that they, were, they continued to speak boldly. They tapped into that reserve of Holy Spirit power, and they were able to continue, even in the face of everything that was taking place, they were able to continue to share the gospel. The early church continues to set the example of what a church should look like. With the odds stacked against them, the early church continued to flourish, and they continued to bring glory to God. The church today, I listen to a lot of church growth stuff and church you know, business stuff, and sadly, our church today is declining. All right? there, are, there are less people that go to church today than there are 
in, in years past. And every year it seems like the number of baptisms goes down, the number of church members goes down. Our churches are declining. And I'm not just talking about Southern Baptist churches. I'm talking churches all across the gamut. Okay, Mainline, mainline denominations are, are declining, which uh, that, uh, we can talk about that later. Um, churches are going down. And part of the reason, part of the things that people believe that the reason church is going down is because life is too easy. Life is too easy. We don't face the same difficulties. But here's the thing. The church in Africa is exploding because there's persecution. The church in Asia and the Middle East, guess what's happening? It's exploding because those people are, the, the folks that are over there, they're experiencing persecution. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to pray for persecution. But I think that we need to take advantage of the fact that God has given us the opportunities here to share the gospel. Because as you continue to read through, particularly the book of Revelation, as we get closer to the end times, things are going to get a lot more difficult. Things are going to get a lot more trying, and that persecution is going to come. But under the threat of persecution, Peter and John did not buckle and run and hide. Instead, they sought out the church, and they had a prayer meeting. They could have run and hid. They could have been like, all right, we're getting out of town for a little bit. We're going to let things blow over. Instead, they gathered the people, and they had a prayer meeting. They did exactly what they were told not to do. This meeting, no doubt, brought a great deal of comfort for those who were waffling in regards to their new faith. Their prayer and God's immediate answer showed, shored up any doubts they may have been having. There is a great example for us. This is a great example of a church for us to emulate. While we may not face the same type of persecution found in the early church and even in other parts of the world, there are no doubt difficult days that we, that we have and will experience. And like I said, I know from talking with you, I know from praying with you all, I know from, from things that I've heard, there are people in this room who are experiencing these dark days. There, there, there are people that are dealing with illnesses. When those difficult days come, whether they are persecution from outside forces, persecution and difficulties from, from illnesses and things that take place, or sadly, persecution from inside the church, because there are you know, we, we gather a group of people together. We're all imperfect, imperfect people in need of a Savior. Guess what's going to happen? We're going to run into difficulties. We're going we're gonna to butt heads, and it's going to be difficult. Our response in those situations should be to go to God. We should just do just like Peter and John in the early church did, is go to God and ask for the courage and the boldness to go through that persecution. Again, persecution is not something we should seek out but it is something that we should use as an opportunity to tell others about the gospel. Let me read one last verse and then we'll close in prayer. But in your heart, this is 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, Acts chapter 4, Lord. It has been... Um, it has been a, a, a beautiful study for me. I hope that the same can be said uh, for the folks that are here gathering uh, each Sunday morning to hear this, Lord. And I pray that we would use the prayer uh, of the church in Acts chapter 4, that we would use that as a model prayer so that when we are facing difficult times, when, when we get a diagnosis from the doctor that we don't like, or we get called into the boss's office and we're given, uh, we're given two weeks' notice or we're, we're told that the contract is not going to be renewed, when there are times where we are just overwhelmed by our circumstances, 
that we would turn to you just like the early church did, that we would get a glimpse of how big and massive you are and put all of our, put all of our, our, the things that we're going through into perspective. And Lord, help us to understand that even when it seems like the world is spinning out of control, that you have not lost control of it, that, that the chaos that we may feel that we are experiencing is not chaos to you, but that you have ordained and pre-planned all of these things so that we would have opportunities to share the glory of who you are with others. Lord, as we go through difficult times for those of us that are believers, as we go through those difficult times, help us not to, to find ourselves weeping and moping and, and trying, to, trying to grasp where you are, but to use them as an opportunity to say, God brought me here to share the gospel with you. People are gonna be looking at our testimony. Give us the boldness to walk through them as, as we should, Lord. Father, I, if there are people here that are, are not believers, whether they're here in the room or watching us via Facebook or, or listening later on on the podcast or, or through our website, Lord, that are not believers and they, they can't understand this hope that we have in the midst of, of dark times, Lord, that someone would be, whether it's, whether it's a friend or a relative or even, uh, even through just this, uh, this preaching here, Lord, that they would have the opportunity to trust you so that they can have the hope that we do that their hope won't be in something futile, but that their hope would be in Jesus Christ. Because it is Jesus Christ and his perfect life, his death on the cross, his resurrection and ascension to heaven is what gives us a new life and a new hope. And we are able to walk through these things because we know that Jesus Christ is there with us. Lord, if there's someone who needs to accept Christ, I pray that today would be the day that that would take place. Lord, I thank you for those of us that are believers. And I ask again that you would give us the boldness Help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we would have the, the, the ability to tap into it and to speak boldly in the midst of all of these things. Lord, we ask all of this in your beautiful name. Amen.